Guys, before this episode begins, I thought I'd take the time to introduce you to our first sponsor of the show, Vita Life Boost. Now, Vita Life Boost is a brand that I'm a part of. It's a brand that I've launched and it's founded on the core principle of boosting the mental and physical well-being of people who live in the UK. As you know, I've worked in the police and I've witnessed firsthand the damaging effects working in these types of stressful environments can cause people such as you know high chronic stress, anxiety, PTSD, burnout, emotional numbness and depression. And with mental illnesses being extremely prevalent within the UK, we aim to support people to be at their mental and physical best. And we believe that mental illnesses can be reduced through the use of natural remedies that support psychological well-being. And that's exactly what Vita Life Boost does with its product called Serenity. Now, Serenity soothes stress, it calms anxiety, it boosts your mood, and also improves your sleep. Not only that, but it's all natural too, which means unlike pharmaceutical medication, it is not harsh on your body. Now, since the launch of Serenity, the feedback's been amazing. We have five-star reviews across the board. And also, people close to me uh, are taking this as well as myself. It's so easy to take. I take one capsule per day in the afternoon, and I've been reaping the benefits, which has been pretty awesome. Guys, you can try Serenity completely risk-free. There's a 30-day money-back guarantee. And also, you can get 15% off by using discount code S-T-S, that's Sierra Tango Sierra 15, and you'll get 15% off your first order. And you can check that out at vitalifeboost.com. All right, let's start this episode. The Shifts to Success podcast, a show about business, entrepreneurship, and the people who've made remarkable shifts in their lives. All right, guys, welcome to the Shift Success Podcast. Uh, in this episode, we are joined by a Shift Success client and friend, Andrew Harding. Now, Andrew's been a police officer for 20 years, and he's now the founder of Cycle Strength, which is basically a personal training company that works specifically with cyclists. Now, Andrew helps all kind of cyclists um, from uh, road cyclists, mountain bikers, gravel bikers, basically to improve their strength and fitness so they can get more pleasure out of their bike riding and also smash their goals uh, for coming competition seasons. Now, Andrew actually joined Shift's success uh, without this idea. Uh, he's kind of formulated this idea uh, as a part of going through the process. But more importantly, he actually joined under a pretty hectic, um, life-changing uh, period of his life. Uh, and what had happened, as you'll understand throughout the podcast episode, is that unfortunately, Andrew uh, suffered a stroke um, caused by stress from the job. So a stress-related stroke. Thankfully, he's still with us today, obviously. Um, and he's bounced back. He's doing amazing things in business. Um, he's uh, making his uh, family time and also his health um, more of a priority now. And he's going to be sharing with you the ups and downs of working the job um, and also, of course, his business journey. This is a very inspirational story. And if you're going to take anything away from this, is that please, 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 uh, ensure that your health is a top priority because if you have if you don't have that then you, then you have nothing and that includes both those who are in full-time business and also those in the police force or uh, a different kind of job so without any further ado ladies and gentlemen Andrew Harding good to have you so um I want to start things off with 
you as a person before the job, before the business? Uh, what was it like for you, like growing up uh, as a kid, and and where are you from? Oh, well, I'm I'm from uh, North London. Um, I've I've always been a, a Londoner. Um, I, I, as it, you know, I was a pretty um, I think a pretty normal childhood, sort of in the in the suburbs of London. Um, my older sister, who I was always looking up to, um, you know, uh, pretty pretty standard. No, nothing nothing stands out about my childhood at all. But I, <laughs> I can was think you of. kind of the was you kind of the, a, was you a, a nerdy kid? Was you mm. an athletic kid? Was you always the... always sporty? Um, I was I was academic, but not in a nerdy way. Um, mm. So. I tried, I, I tried really hard at school. I, I always tried hard at everything I do, um, almost to a fault where I, I've, I found myself trying too hard with things. Um, <laughs> but um, going through like GCSEs and A-levels, I just wanted to, I, I wanted those A's, you know, um, and, and anything less wasn't, wasn't you know, I, I, I felt like it wasn't good enough for me. So I just, I just grafted all the way through school, went to university um, and, 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 and joined the police. I was still in my final year of university when I joined the police. Oh, Always wow. looking for, you know, the, um, the 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 best result I could get out out of everything. Where do you think that comes from? Where do you think that? Because because oh, people don't have that. Oh my god, my parents. Um, my uh, both both parents went to university and got a good job. My my dad was a civil servant, so I almost followed followed him because. He was all very, you know, work for the government. You'll always be, you know, you'll always have your pension. You'll always be looked after. You'll never be, you know, you'll never be made redundant. <laughs> all, of, all of that kind yeah. of stuff that, you know, the generation before us grew up with. Um, so it's, and it wasn't like, he, he didn't, he didn't, um, he didn't encourage me into the police, but I, I think he was a, um, uh, he, he made a sort of a, like a sounding board when I was thinking about it. He was like, "Yeah, you know, what what better career could there be than you know, thirty years in the police?" Yeah. So he kind of set that kind of standard in you as a young kid. Do well at school, to go to university, do well at university, yeah. and obviously go for a, a good, safe, secure job, which which was the police. Absolutely, absolutely right. Yeah. Do you mind okay. if I drink coffee? Or... No, of course. Yeah, it's completely fine. Um, so. You know, going from school and being being pretty okay with school, and you know, getting good grades. You go to university. What what did you study at university? Biology. Um, so I I've always been sort of sciencey, mathsy kind of kind of person. I, I you know I did all right with the Englishy English kind of stuff. I'm dyslexic. Um, so something I I was diagnosed with at the age of about seven eight years old. Um, so I've always had um, like um, uh, I'm a slow reader, um, and I, I my spelling is shocking. I think my kids can spell better than I can. Actually, my son's he's he's got the dyslexic. He's, he's inherited it from me, and I spotted it really early on. But like the, the sort of, um, I've I've always always struggled with sort of English side of it. But sciencey, mathy stuff, absolutely fine. So I, I went down that route. Um, uh, did a science degree. What better science is there than than biology? Because it sort of opens the doors to so many other things. Um, and and that also, I guess, in, in a way, um, I, I came back. I've, I've come back into that um, from yeah. a slightly different angle with the personal training. Um, yeah. it, it all like when I was doing the training for the personal training, like like doing all the um, uh, the learning for it. Um, I, you know, reading through it, I was like, 
this is stuff I did at university, all of the anatomy stuff. I, I knew it already. So it, 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 it's come full circle. Yeah, absolutely. So like at, at that age, you're going to go and go into university to learn about biology, get a degree there. Um, what was in your mindset at that age? Because, you know, obviously policing is not in your mindset there because it's completely like two ends of the spectrum, police and biology. So was there an intention for you to have a career in a certain area with that biology degree before you um, across the police? Not, not really, no. So both parents encouraged me to go to university because they, you know, growing up through school, they could tell that that was something that I could do. So they encouraged it. And when I was thinking about what I was going to study, um, their advice was, what do you enjoy? Right. You know? um, I always, always like watching David Attenborough programs. So it's like, well, <laughs> why don't I go and do that? And I kind of thought, I think really naively, I thought I would go into doing a research kind of role, like be a biologist, whatever. That is so vague. Like I know that now. Yeah. But thought I was going to go and be a biologist, you know, um, and certainly as a, as a younger, uh, younger person, I, 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 I kind of fancy going out and doing research like out of, you know, in the Arctic or in the rainforest or something like that. Um, then at university, I got a taste of that. Um, I went and spent a month in Indonesia studying frogs in like, you know, in rivers and I hated it. <laughs> nice wow that's uh it was, interesting it was it was not as cool as it looks on tv it was, <laughs> it, it was just hard it was hard work um and uh and yeah i mean i i, I enjoyed the experience but the actual the sort of the gathering data side of if i was there on holiday it would have been way better um but yeah, I, I think what it was while I was at university, I decided I don't want to be a biologist. I don't want to, I'm not going to yeah. do this um, as a career. So I had to pretty quickly switch and think of something else I could do as a as a career. Um, and having been that kind of biology uh, mind, my like all through school and through university, um, I started to panic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can imagine, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, thinking, oh God, I've wasted my time, but. Um, the uh, at that time i think it was in my final year at university there was a massive recruitment drive like for, for the police like huge and they had adverts they had celebrities on tv it was this sort of um uh the ad camp people probably remember it from 21 years ago about um this was, i guess between 19 20 years ago um the uh they had celebrities doing adverts saying like talking about a particular role that the like um, delivering a death message to someone's parents after being to a car incident and, and, and saying, I couldn't do that. Could you, you know, that was the ad campaign. Yeah. Um, and that, that really, that, I, I don't know, that, that kind of got me. I thought I could die. Yeah, I could do that. I could go and do that. Mm-hmm. Um, and incidentally, I had a couple of friends from school who, when I went to university, they joined the police. So they two years in at this time and absolutely loving it and they and I, I i hooked up with them and spoke to them about it um did a bit of research and 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 they 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 sold it to me as well they you know they were singing the praises oh it's great fun you know uh, buzzing around in cars and um doing what you do when you're a probationer you know um yeah. they, they they were loving it so i thought yeah why not you know it's, yeah. it's a job isn't it I, I, at the time i didn't have a job yeah, and they were crying out for people to join, so I kind of just walked into it. 
Amazing. And you'd obviously did that while she was actually still studying at university. Mm. Um, yeah. Was it as good as you, you know, in your probationer uh, friends, was it as good as they made out when you first joined? Was it? Uh, <laughs> um, I think I felt differently about it, just being a different person, just, yeah, you know, because they, they did, I think they did A-levels or, or, um, or the equivalent. Um, I, I knew them, from, I certainly knew them from sixth form. Um, but they didn't go to university. So I had had different, like three years worth of different experience to them. Um, and I think also just being that a little bit older, you know, being 23 when I joined instead of 19, mm. that kind of made it feel a bit different. Uh, yeah. You know, I was living, I, I was living with my girlfriend at the time um, when I joined. So I didn't go to Hendon and, um, and stay, like I, I, I didn't live at Hendon. Yeah. Um, because I, I had a I was renting a, an apartment in London. Um mm. my girlfriend who was working yeah. for, she was working for Google and you know bringing it home. So wow. imagine yeah, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I I had a very different experience just going through the training um and you know the the, the early years of being in the police to to what how my friends had told me. Got you, got you, it makes absolute sense. Um, so what force was it you end up joining? Let's call police. Yeah. Oh, cool. So you joined the Met. Um, and throughout your career, like what kind of roles have you done in uh, in 20 years? Um, I um I did the the, the, the standard stuff people always used to do. I don't think they it's, well, it's very, I know it's very different now. Um I I did my, my probation, went on to the response team, um, and then safer neighborhoods came out it, it was um piloted i was in camden at the time working on the borough of camden and camden was a pilot borough for safer neighborhoods so i put my hand up I, i'll get out get out a team get out like answering 999 calls um i had enough of that after a couple of years so i went to safer neighborhoods as a pilot thing as well which is you know all new and, um this is the way for it and it turns out it is actually um i did that for like I don't know, like four years, I was a PC on there. And while I was there, I applied for CID and I moved to Hackney to become a DC um, after, I guess, about seven years in the job. And I've been a DC ever since. So it took, it took me a couple of years to, to become a DC um, in Hackney. Um, I did all the exams and everything. Um, uh, uh, so, I, yeah, I was in Hackney then for another seven years um just doing the rounds as a borough dc um and that was pretty exhausting and actually i think that was the worst role um i've been in in the police and i think it, even now if you ask anyone any detective uh you come across they will say that borough cid is the hardest the worst and most thankless task you can do because there's just not enough of you and uh yeah just like the workload, the relentlessness. But, but, yeah, it's, yeah, and and the early, late nights. Um, you come in, you can come in to work on a Monday morning, haven't had the weekend off. You come in on a Monday morning, it's like bang. There's like five prisoners in the bin for you. And you're like, right, so who's going to help me with this? Wow. <sighs> I'm on my own. <laughs> I've got five prisoners to interview and process, and so I'll phone up. You know, sorry, I'm not coming home tonight. Um, yeah. It was just, it was just hideous. Um, and then, um, yeah, I, 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 I managed to um, get into a, like a proactive role 
Mm. Um, which was fantastic. Um, there was this little, little little job going, a small team, one DS had set up this little team um, and was looking for three DCs. And, and I, I got I got the job, did a proactive job for like a year and a half, just squirreled away, just doing, um, do, doing sort of stuff involving bits of surveillance and um, test purchases and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and that that then set me up because I, I went from that into um, it was London Crime Squad at the time, but it was a sort of a proactive um, uh, proactive wing, um, and, and and I've been this. So it's it the London Crime Squad changed. It, it was you know um, doing proactive jobs for boroughs, and then it became like they they, they call them syndicates, and now it's yeah it's still syndicates actually. But it, it then it's like you know met wide, um, proactive policing, a whole team of DCs who are all surveillance trained and and that was the best job um, I could have had. Um, it was really uh, that was a, a really good like it was exciting. All the jobs were good, sort of high, much higher level than on the boroughs, um, and everyone you're working with has been handpicked because they. They, they want to be there and they want to work. So you're working with a really, really good team. Um, and I, I love that job. Um, but it was it was that job that then changed um, changed my life because I was burying myself in the job. Um, you know, I had, a, I had a, a surveillance vehicle on my driveway. And I, if the phone went at 10 o'clock at night, I could be at home, you know, about to go to bed and the phone would go, I've got to be in Leicester in an hour. Wow. Yeah, fine. I'll be there. Yeah, sure. Wow. Yeah. Wow. What, um, jump in the car God. um and and it, it was that kind of expectation you drive a car home you go from straight from the plot home you got the car there if they phone you and say you got to come back in you've got a car you can't say no so you they got you but then the times when they don't say no it's like you can be home at two in the afternoon and uh and it's you know mm. that's that's, that's absolutely crazy so before we go into kind of the thing that you know change your life um mm. uh, and yeah, i want to talk about um how does because because i can't comprehend that I, I can't calling me at night calling me in the morning i've got to be this location that location you know surveillance vehicles around you how does your family cope with that you, you know you're you're the you're the dad you're you're the husband how does family deal with that your, your kids and your wife good question i have absolutely bloody no idea because at the time i it didn't figure because I was doing, I was in that role before my kids were born. Um, so they grew up with a dad who, this is what dad does. Like, yeah. So missing birthday parties and I missed Christmas once. Wow. Like literally I <laughs> turning up at my in-law's house and the phone went and it's Christmas day and the phone goes and I'm just walking down, literally walking down the driveway, the in-laws to um to have christmas dinner and the phone goes and i've got to be somewhere i'm like yeah i'm fine yeah have a nice christmas everyone gone um how does that make you feel as it, it... Oh, it's just it seems ridiculous now because i've got I've, I, now i've taken a step back i'm like i'm, I'm on the outside looking at it um yeah. and it, it it it's crazy it was crazy mm-hmm. uh, at the time because it was what i was used to is what I was, and, and like i said my kids grew up with it mm-hmm. uh, 
I, it wasn't like I changed and I had to adapt from being a family dad to then having this role. It was the other way around. I was, a, I was in that role. I became a dad. And so I was kind of, I feel bad about this. I was kind of like an absent dad, I guess. Um, the, yeah. like, the number of weekends, I probably worked one in three weekends. Um, so there were so, so many things I missed. Yeah. You know, baby from, from babies till, um well my son's 10 now but um yeah he would have been seven when when uh it all changed so um yeah I, i'm not yeah i i truth is i don't know what it was like at home because i wasn't there yeah yeah okay i, I mean by the way you, you're not alone I, I think a lot of cops go through that just due to the nature of the job hmm. uh, and it's great that you've got perspective now right you know yeah, you yeah. what, doing what you do now and you know you, you are around and you've got this thriving business and you know you're building something special for you and your family i think it's amazing which we'll get on to so at this point you've got this job in the, in, the, in the job you're missing time with family it's a bit hectic what's next for you um beyond that kind of hectic life you're a dad now and you know you're still in the job what what happens so what, 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 what was I thinking? Where was I? What was no, my... just like, what, what happened? Do you stay in that job for, you know, until your kids are, you know, X years or how, how long do you stay in that role in the job where it's so hectic? Do you go into a different department or, or what? So I, I was, I was in that, uh, yeah, I was in that role. I, I kind of moved around different teams, but doing the same, performing the same role as a detective on a surveillance capable team. Um, I worked with the NCA in, um, on, on one of the teams. I would, that, that was the last role I was in um and uh and the, and I and I was I was gonna stay there I had no um no actually that's a lie and I think you know you know because I I got the shift to success book it came I, I I don't remember why I think it pinged up on Facebook or something something came and I went oh that's interesting mm. um there, there, there could be a there could be a job that I could do that isn't this. And I, I, I'd never even considered it. I just out of interest, like I hadn't even, I hadn't even like, I you know. Consider, but you didn't consider business. Yeah, it, yeah. it was weird. It, it was actually quite frightening, the timing of it. Cause then I had a phone call, I think with um, probably Monia actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, to, to, to say, oh, so you've got the book. Have you started reading? I was a bit like, oh no, I haven't actually. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's sat on my bedside table. I haven't opened it yet. Um, <laughs> And uh, two weeks later, I, I had a stroke. Um, I, mm. I, I, and it was the timing of the stroke to me says a lot as well because I'd just done ten like ten days solid. I worked from Monday right the way through the weekend. And finished on the Thursday, um, like Thursday night because like, it was a big job. You know, everything's a big job in the Met. Yeah, big job, big job. Nicking people down in. Um, uh down in uh, kent and processing prisoners and finished at like 10 o'clock on the thursday night having just grafted for solidly for the last 10 days i was so relieved I, and got charges and everything so it was all high fives so it was it was worth to me it was worth it like you've done all this hard work it's worth it we got charges i hadn't seen my kids for 10 days um so i came home had a beer told the missus all about it went to bed and I got up and it, again, crazy. I got up at like half six in the morning, jumped out of bed. Like, I'm going for a run. I haven't had any exercise. I mean, sat in a surveillance car where I've been in a custody suite for the last 10 days. Mm. I'm going to go for a run and just enjoy the nice weather. It was, um, it was July 
yeah, it was July. Yeah, 17th of July. Um, and yeah, I was going to go out and have, and have a run. I put my running stuff on, went downstairs and I had a stroke right there on the kitchen floor. Um, managed to drag myself to the sofa and like lay on the sofa and just stroked it out. Oh, that sounds terrible, doesn't stroked it? Stroked it out. <laughs> <laughs> lay on the sofa and stroked it out. <laughs> I know what you meant, really. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and it, and I, I don't know how long I was there. I was out for I was out for like forty five minutes or an hour or something. My, my wife was in bed, uh, and I, she got up and had a shower, and then came downstairs. My my kids had come downstairs and seen me and thought oh, that's weird. Dad's on the sofa. Get out of here. This just left me to it. Um, and I. Uh, yeah, as, as my wife came down the stairs, I sort of I started sitting up and I'm like, oh, weirdest thing. I just like feel like I fainted or like I didn't know what had happened. I genuinely I had no idea what happened. Um, but uh, yeah, she was sort of like, well, that's that's odd, isn't it? Um, people don't just faint. So let's have a let's uh, we called the doctor. It's about eight, eight o'clock in the morning, so um, I think we phoned. Yeah, phone nine one one, I think, and they they actually said, "Well, you probably better go to the hospital." So they kind of booked me an appointment at Kingston Hospital for the afternoon. So I sat around all morning, and it was in that time when I was talking rubbish, like my my um, vocabulary had gone. And this happens with stroke when people have had a stroke; they they lose words or their words get mixed up. And we had some sandwiches for lunch, and I was sort of I I, I, I don't know, I was calling things the wrong things and getting everything well my kids thought it was hilarious my <laughs> wife was deeply concerned um and then I went, went to the hospital I was given this massive ream of instructions of places to go and things to do when I got there it was during COVID time so no one was allowed to come in with me so I had to go in wear a mask and kind of dodder around like and that it kind of hit me then I had absolutely no idea what was going on my brain was gone like um I was I, I didn't have um, like a a side that had kind of flopped, you know, like you've got the sort of classic stroke symptoms is that um, a, asymmetry uh, and and like loss of function in one side. But I didn't have that to any kind of noticeable extent. I mean, I do have a little, you know, a little bit of like they had some studies afterwards and they said there was a bit of that, but it's not like no one would notice. Um, mm-hmm. So... I managed to get through all these things at six o'clock in the evening, almost 12 hours after it happened. The doc, I'm in with a doctor and he op- opens this thing, reads through all the bits of tests, all I've had done. And he goes, oh, well, you've had a stroke, like a full blown stroke. Not even like, you know, you get um, like these levels of strokes is different, different ones. No, no that, that was a proper stroke. So then I had to go to um, the stroke specialists in a different hospital and they didn't have any ambulances so i had to call my wife she had to come and pick me up and drive me and i didn't get there till like eight o'clock in the evening just really, it's a bit of a joke really should be like an ambulance right when they, you see on the tv like if you're having a stroke or yeah. so, you see someone you think's having a stroke call 999 get them in an ambulance get them to the hospital mm. um no that didn't happen it was like it was like a solid 24 20 um sorry no like um 14 hours until i actually got to the stroke specialists at at uh, St George's Hospital in London um but yeah I've come out of it okay I'm all right you have I mean how old was you when when you had the stroke 
29 no 39 sorry 39 yeah so, so i remember when, when we spoke you you was talking about you was reading the book and you mentioned to me that you'd had a stroke and mm-hmm. um to see you know for the many years you know what two two and a half years now we've known each other andy yeah. um to see where you were that first conversation i had with you you were um slower in talk and you were mm-hmm. you know um thoughtful in your words and now you're like a you're a different person, mate. You're like, you're, you're snappy. You're, you know, you're, you're, you know, smashing this podcast. You're, you're very, you're on the ball. And, you know, I've definitely seen that, that improvement. Um, and I, you know, I've seen my granddad have a stroke. I was there as, as a young, I was probably about 14 years old. He went, he did go limp. Mm-hmm. The paramedics had to like squeeze his finger to get a response from him and stuff like that. Um, and, and that was horrible. And, and for you to go through that, um, you know, with your, with your kids and, and your family in, in the, in the house, you know, I, I couldn't imagine how, you know, horrible that is. Um, you mentioned that you didn't know what was happening during your time and it was almost like a surreal experience. You fainted. Um, yeah, yeah. were there any other symptoms that you can think of or, or recall during the time? So people, you know, watching this, you know, God forbid, if they have a, a, a stroke, um, is there anything that you can remember that, you know, was a bit out of the ordinary from a symptom point of view? Um, well, I, I, it came, it, it wasn't like, so, like it wasn't like I was standing up and then suddenly flat out. Yeah. It came on really like quite slowly. Like I felt I was, I was standing in my kitchen and I, I started to feel a bit dizzy. And then I started to like, I, I guess I started to, black out but it was only one side when i think of it now i can rationalize it and i can tell yeah it's just so obviously having a stroke like i I felt my 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 right side start to not quite work i think i'm just trying to hold something i probably ordered a cup of coffee or something and i couldn't pick it up and i started and i and i can feel myself misting like you know i'm going i'm going here yeah i I was holding on to the worktop and i like like I inched along the worktop, holding myself up, probably leaning on my left arm. Jesus. My right one had gone. Um, and then I'm like along the, holding the backs of the chairs to get to, over to the sofa in the living room. So I'm like holding on to stuff, kind of limping along. Um, uh, and, th- and then I just, uh, yeah, I, I hit the sofa and I was gone. Um, and I don't know how long for, but it, you know, must have been about 45 minutes to an hour that I was out for Bloody hell! Um, it was, it was, I suppose it's a good job your wife and, and kids are in. Um, yeah, they they were home. No, no one did anything about it. It would have been good if someone had actually seen it happen and been like, "Wow, you're having a stroke!" No, no, no. Like, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. It was just it, it's my own stupid fault for bloody getting. Well, it could have happened in my sleep. People have strokes in their sleep. Yeah, they? that's right. Absolutely. If it had happened a half an hour earlier. I would have still been in bed. Mm. But it would have happened in my sleep, and I just wouldn't have been able to wake up. Jesus Christ. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's frightening. It's frightening. Right. I mean, I, I, I kind of laugh about it now, but because yeah, I'm, 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 I'm okay. Because I'm like, thank God I'm okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, yeah, it's just one of those, one of those things, you know, when you get, when you get through something like that, then you're like, yeah. 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 And, and I'm sure, I'm assuming it gives you a different perspective on life. Um, oh, yeah, for real. Yeah. You're right. Look in hindsight. If he was, a, if he was in bed and that happened, that could have been, you might not be here. Um, Andy, what do you think? Now I'm assuming I know the answer to this, but do, um, my my granddad when he had a stroke, he was caring for my mum. Uh, sorry, grandma who had muscular cirrhosis, so she was incontinent all the time. 
you know, he was very stressed dealing with that. Um, she was like kind of losing herself during that time as well. And he had a, a few strokes caused by stress. Mm. Would you, would it be fair to say that due to the nature of the job, not seeing your kid or your family for 10 days, working back to back Monday to Sunday or whatever it was, that what that was a factor in what happened? Big time. Yeah, I, I'm I'm 100% convinced that it was stress from the job that I didn't realize I was suffering mm. that caused it. Um, I had a million tests done. Um, I was off work for nine months uh, mm. recovering from the stroke. I'm like you say, I'm okay now. Yeah, that's, yeah. I, I am okay now. But yeah, I mean, I couldn't I couldn't talk. I couldn't remember stuff. I, you know, I was in a pretty pretty bad way. Like, and I and I was I got like depressed about it as well um so i had that on top of just the sort of recovering from something that's happened so actually feeling really shit about everything like well that's the end of my life oh well you know thanks very much um i had a during that time i was in the hospital like every other week getting some kind of test done so something scanned some um i you know doing this draw a, a map of a zoo kind of like weird tests that you know yeah. i can't remember them properly but like draw this where how would you walk around a zoo and see all the animals sounds like a kid's game but it was yeah you know bloody difficult um, <laughs> <laughs> um and and they found oh well there's no reason for you to have had a stroke there's no I, I fit healthy guy um no, not a smoker not overweight mm-hmm. um uh, I, you know, I exercised, I've always exercised regularly. Um, I didn't have uh, like high cholesterol or blood pressure problems. I, you know, nothing, none of the, the red lights that say, yeah, you know, rain that in or you're going to have a stroke. Yeah. I didn't have any of that. The only thing that, that leaves one thing that can't, they can't actually prove it. You can't actually like have a, a letter from a doctor saying, stress but it's the only thing that's left is stress and, and the only thing giving me stress was work because that was the only thing i bloody did yeah. anything else um yeah it wasn't my family that, that, that stressed me out and the, the timing of it as well like coming off at such a long period of like just grafting hard that that i mean that that 10 day period that i'd done uh, um that was kind of the end of a job that had lasted a, a good few months and it kind of culminated and just you know anyone who is in the police knows that you'll work really hard at something and then it 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 comes to a crescendo when you actually arrest people and that is the longest hardest day um of the whole operation it it could have been a year and a half long it could have been two weeks long but that day when you nick people is that's the hardest work you'll do and that's what I'd done the night before, finished that the night before, and then just had a stroke when I woke up. So, um, yeah, there isn't a doubt in my mind that it was yeah. work stress that caused it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. Um, so at this point, obviously, you know, you join Shift Success and you think about going into business. And I remember we discussed some few ideas that potentially could go down. And um, I think one of them, one of the first ones, was like a gravel bike idea one of the initial yeah. ones and then you basically thought of an idea which is now a very fully fledged business working yeah. with customers everywhere called cycle strength do you want to explain to the listeners and viewers what cycle strength is and what you do 
Yeah, absolutely. So uh, I'm a personal trainer um, for cyclists. I concentrate on on cyclists and I offer online personal training programs for cyclists to get off the bike and get into the gym or use um, equipment at home so that they can improve their stability, strength and power and, and improve the comfort of their rides, the distance of their rides and just smash those golf pieces and my clients are loving it um it's a it's a different take when you speak to someone who uh is um you know training for a big ride ride london coming up in a in, in about a month or just over a month um they'll be like oh i'm i'm going out on my bike all the time well i tell you something different i'd say well yeah go out on your bike a lot but actually it's getting off the bike it's getting the work done in the gym that really makes your body able to cope with being on a bike uh, so and it's something that i have done I've, I've i've been a cyclist since i was in my 20s yep. uh, i've i've been training in the gym since i was a teen i played rugby um and started training in the gym when i was about 17 years old so i've been in the gym my whole adult life yeah and i've been on a bike for you know since i was in my 20s and it had never occurred to me that people don't train in the gym for cycling yeah um yeah. and uh it, it, I, yeah it, it's just it's you just combine fun. the two right you combine the two yeah. that you were doing into this business which is yeah working yeah exactly exactly so all, all i had to do is I, I had to get qualified um to to be able to to, to deliver the training because you can't just you know anyone anyone can't just go and tell people how to train because you, you have to be you have to be qualified and have insurance and all that stuff of course so I joined, joined Ship and Success without a clue of what I wanted to do. Um, right. um, I, I, I figured cycling, it would be cycling because that's what I was into. Um, and, and then I just had to look at myself and think, what do I do? And what's missing from the world? Uh, well, it's, it's obvious, isn't it? Um, <laughs> it, it took a few months, I think. Yeah. I, it was uh, about three months before I actually hit the idea. And then I, I think I'd, I was a little bit reluctant to then fork out the money for the training that I had to do for the, to get the qualifications to become a personal trainer. And it was during lockdown. So there was no, it all had to be done online. Um, uh, and, and doing the practical stuff, I had to wait for that until gyms opened up again. Um, so it's a bit, bit of a tricky time to do it. Um, but yeah, it, it, it it's, you know, I, 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 I couldn't possibly look back with any regret over any of that because mm. it's, yeah, it's, it's it's working and it's it's doing doing great things for my clients as well I'm like getting um just just getting like the, the reviews even if it's not even like a, a review or a testimonial even if it's just like a couple of sentences or in a message saying yeah I've, I've i've been to the gym today i've absolutely smashed it i'm like yeah brilliant and i i love that i love that yeah, feels so much better than nicking someone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. I can imagine. It's, I it's helping people. I'm working with people. And I'm helping them. Yeah, not like that police officer who's going out to to arrest people. I know police officers help people, but it doesn't yeah. always it doesn't always feel like that. Whereas yeah. this is different. This is like come, come to me and I will help you. Yeah, I, I completely get it. You're you know you're at the end of the day you're a coach. You're you're a personal trainer and. Yeah. I think the impact that you make is very different because number one, you're dealing with people under a different environment and different circumstances, but also it's like, it's coming from you personally, your business. And I think it's a very 
deep and meaningful relationship that you can have with your client. So I completely hundred percent and, you know, people you're nicking, they're definitely not going to be wishing any love like that. So, um, yeah, completely makes sense. So talk to you about your clients. Um, so are they clients who are like they're competitive bikers or are they um, Joe blogs who likes to go out every weekend with his friends on the, on the, on the, uh, on the gravel bike or on the road, who's kind of your typical kind of customer. Would you so say? I've got, I've got a range of, of clients. Um, I've got, I've, I've, I've gone international. I've got two from, I've got one in California and one on the East coast uh, sort of near New York um the rest are uk um and the the majority in fact i think all of them because i i almost stipulate that this is a thing you've got to have a goal so you you've got to cut you you don't just say i just want to get better at cycling yeah because you need a goal you're gonna have something to aim for so i even if the first time i speak to someone on this i know i haven't got anything i'll say well go and book a ride go you've got to pay the money to be in an event and that's that's what you're training for so that actually gives it a like a tangible like a, a like a skin in the game kind of thing yeah it makes it real it makes it, it gives you a purpose for training otherwise it's just i just want to get better at cycling well great i mean you can be better at cycling tomorrow smart goals isn't it um how's it going to be measurable uh and, and and put a timing on it so in three months i've got this big ride that i've booked in for and i've told everyone i'm doing it and I've told not only have I told everyone I'm doing, I've told everyone I'm going to do 100 miles in five hours. Yeah. Right. You've got to train for that. So yeah. let's go. Let's go. That's that's my only thing. Um, apart from that, so I, I've got um, uh, I've I've had a, a client who is a, 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 an athlete for Great Britain, a triathlete. Um, wow. Uh, he, I've got um, I've got a couple of mountain bikers who are doing events going up to Scotland. One's going up to Scotland this weekend to to take part in uh, national rounds of, of the downhill cup. Mm-hmm. I've got um, I've, I've got others who are uh, one guy who's been cycling since like September, and he started cycling and thought, "Wow, this is hard. I need a coach." Like ab- absolute beginner, but he's got. He's got those goals. He's got something this year coming up in the summer that he he's training for. So perfect. So yeah, so it's it's a full range, a full range of people. Amazing. And you know, I think that's an important lesson for people to take is that sometimes a lot of people when they like, if you think of a PT, you think, oh, you've got to be in the gym at location. That's not the case. You've got an online clientele working with people across the world, which creates a lot more distribution scale for the business. I think sometimes for a police officer, you know, who's not in business to understand that, that sometimes it's a bit, um, a bit mind blown at first to think what I can work with people in California or or wherever based because of the technology. Um, Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's having the, being able to deliver the training online. That's, that's the, that's the thing that's really blown it open. And I think actually COVID helped that because a, a lot of trainers, were, you know, gyms were shut. So yeah, all of those PTs, they either lost their revenue or yeah. they had to shift to an online thing. And all these online um, sort of ways of delivering training, is it's really come about or, or it's definitely been honed during COVID times. And, and, it, and you know, that's when, I, that's when I took it up. So right at kind of the, the edge or I guess the sort of spearhead of um, of it going yeah. online, big online clients, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, uh, coaches, even coaches yeah. looking for clients online. Yeah, yeah, yeah. shift success. Uh, we 
we went online fully due to COVID. Um, mm. It was one of the best business decisions that we ever made. And it just yeah. opened, uh, you remove the bottleneck and, you know, things start to take off even more. So I think it, it's helped a lot of people out there if they change. A lot of people didn't adapt and they suffered. And I think that was important to uh, to understand as well. So your clients, they come across, what kind of problems do they come to you with? Is it like, Andy or Andrew, I need to knock off a minute off this time or five minutes or, or is it, I'm just, you know, lasting the full out. What kind of, so, again, a, ra- a range of things. Um, probably the most, uh, uh, yeah, the, 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 the most common couple will be, I've got, uh, I've got uh, a, a load of events booked in for the summer. Um, I've been training. I'm, I'm a, uh, like a category b or c or whatever you know um if you're racing if you've got a race license then you're categorized um so a being the highest and so on um so they'll come to me and say i'm a category b i'm kind of at the back of b i want to win the b races and maybe move into category a so that's that's the competitive guys it's always like okay, and girls you always be like want to move up a category um i've actually got a load of people who ride Zwift races, Zwift, like the online, again, something came out yeah. of COVID, Zwifting. Yeah. Um, so like the Pel- is that like a Peloton thing? Is it similar? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it's really competitive and um, and you can be categorized for that. And you, if you want to move up and, and race um, in, a, in a higher category, you've got to train. You can't just ride. You can't just race all the time. Um, so it, it, it's, it's either that or it's, I've had an injury and mm. I've been off cycling for i don't know anything between three weeks to a year um i had uh, i've had a client who got hit by a car um and uh, and was recovering from that i I had a client who um uh, broke his hip he fell off his bike and um hit you know hit a pothole fell off the bike broke his hip and and just then couldn't ride with his mates anymore because he lost all his fitness so hello we can do this. Yeah, it's like six weeks later, he's back riding with his mates, and he's it's been a couple of years, and he's been scratching his head. How can I get fit again? Yeah, I've got I've got you, mate. I've got yeah. <laughs> I love that. Absolutely love it. Um, so you've done phenomenally well. So you work with clients, you know, across the world now. Um, you built a client base. Uh, we had a, a little talk before we went live this podcast, and and this quarter you've exceeded your, your police wage, which is absolutely amazing. Uh, and, you know, for a person who's, you know, been in the job, you know, for 20 years, gone yes. through a stroke, had no business idea to now exceeding your police income it is absolutely phenomenal. And you should be very, very proud of yourself. Where do you see the vision? Where do you see your business going in the next kind of, you know, three to five years? What, what do you want to hit out to be, visualize? Well, um, I, I'd like it. I'd like to become one of those brands like like we we talked about Zwift and we talked about Peloton. Yeah. Uh you know there's 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 coaches out there. Um uh uh Joe Wicks for example mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. why why can't I be the Joe Wicks uh, for cyclists Joe Wicks is very very good what he does is it, it's amazing it's really non-specific and it's n- aimed at people who don't have a sport that they're exercising for. So that's everyone, right? Yeah. He's, he's, like, 
everyone's got all coaches out there are like right i'm training for this sport football rugby cycling you know whatever martial arts all this he's like don't worry about that let's just get you fit right mm. you know anyway so i love that i love that. and he, and he again lockdown made him a household name um I, I i'd like to be the joe wicks of of cycling i love that i absolutely love that and uh yeah, I agree. Joe Wicks is uh, is pretty cool what he does, especially like kind of the marketing angle he does. I think is uh, really really interesting. Um, if anyone kind of, in fact, yeah, if anyone who's like a bit you know in the job right now, listen to your story um, as a family man, husband, um, and father who is stressed, who is missing time with their family, hasn't seen them for seven days or whatever, missing Christmases, birthdays. Um, and really kind of in a stressful state right now for you, who's been through such a, um, an experience with their health, um, a bad experience. Um, what words of wisdom would you give to that person who's currently going through that? You got to speak to your line manager. Um, and and there's actually a lot of help in the police now. Um, there's um, there's a, a, a loads of services um, that, that are there to help. But what you've got to do is recognise it in the first place. I didn't recognise it. Mm. I would have carried on, and it, it you know, if if I hadn't if I hadn't gone the shift to success, I think I probably would have gone back into the same role. Mm. Um, after after been um uh deemed fit to fit, fit fit for duty um you've got to recognize it you've got to look at yourself and you've got to um realize like when was the last time I, I i spent some quality time with my family if it was a week ago mm. then that is i mean it's every day you should be you should if, if you can go, if you go a week and you, th and you think, oh, I haven't seen my kids at all this week. I live in the same house as them, mm. but I haven't seen them because they're in bed when I get up to go to work. They're in bed when I get home. Then you've got to change something. You've got to put your hands, talk to your line manager, put your hand up and just say, look, I, I need, I need, I need some time. Um, so, think, these things are way more important than a job. Any job, um, not just police, any job. Um, and there is this the, the culture in the police of you've got to be the one who's always there. You, certainly in the, the roles that I was doing, um, if if you if you're the one who's always there, you're dependable. You get that you get a buzz out of just being the dependable guy. You know, we need someone who we can trust. Safe pair of hands. Yeah, there's Andy. He's always here. He's, he'll get the job done. That's a great feeling. But what about your family? What you know? Yeah. They're missing you. They're missing you, and they're gonna fucking miss you when you're dead. They're gonna miss you loads. Then don't yeah. let that happen. You, you, you're right. I, you know, I've put out content before. Like, if you if you did drop dead, you'd be replaced within a week. But your family, yeah, would, yeah would miss you for the rest of their lives. And I think mm. sometimes that that needs to be brought into the forefront of people's mind. I think, um, especially with you going through what you you went through um, and sharing that inspirational story to others i think people need to recognize it more um and i appreciate you for sharing what you what you've been through andy i think it is uh enlightening for a lot of people 
going back to um business um what kind of skill sets do you believe that you've brought into the world of business into your own business that you've kind of uh, accumulated as a police officer over 20 years um that's a really good question um i think it's work ethic mm. because i I've, I mean, I've, I think I've already made it clear. I was the, I was the guy who was always at work. I couldn't, I couldn't put a job down. I wouldn't walk out uh, mm-hmm. if I needed to do something. I wouldn't walk out. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I would do my damnedest to make sure colleagues were coping as well. And if they needed help, I would help. Uh, and that's, that's what I'm doing now. You know, I, I'm not going to walk out on my clients. I'm not yeah. going to, if someone needs help, if someone, you know, I've got a lot, like, um, I've got an app. It's got a messenger in it. If someone texts me, I'll, I'll I'm on it. Um, I will know if 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 I'm with another client or it's ten o'clock at night. Then yeah, obviously within reason. Mm-hmm. But I want to help that. I want you know I want them to get the the best results they can get. So I'm gonna pull out all the stops to to be there for them and help them out with it. Um, and and I don't let anything get in the way of that so there's there's i think that's just the way i am i don't that is not something i've got from from being a police officer but that is something that helped me be successful as a police officer yeah and is is now something that i'm leaning on in in a in a um in, in a role where i'm providing a service i think that's essential um just having that having that work ethic um I've, I've, I've learned so much stuff. I've had, I've had to learn about a million and one different ways of using a computer. Um, yeah. I didn't know about um, all these sort of programs and software that you get to, to, it's to funny. help you through your business that I didn't even know existed when I was a cop. You know, you don't, you, yeah. you, you're you lucky if you know how to use Excel. <laughs> it's very true. What you said there, it's like, there's Athena, there's Niche, there's other things as well. And that was just in custody. I was in custody, right? So I, you had a lot more access, especially you have access to things as well. But you have all these systems. And sometimes I speak to cops and they're like, oh, no, I'm a technophobe. I'm like, really? Are you? Because you you deal with softwares that the general public just don't deal with. And you still crap. have to do that in your day. Yeah. You, you, you deal, you, the general public won't deal with them because they don't work. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, true. That's very, very true. And I'm like, yeah, well, you've obviously, you're obviously figuring it out because you're using it in the job, even though they are crap. So um, for you, I'm, I'm assuming, even though you dealt with those crap softwares, you've been yeah. able to transfer that into building an online yeah, yeah. business, right? Being able to get my head around stuff. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, and it, it's, it's having like, having a, a bit of time pressure as well. Like I've got to get my head around this. Like I'm going to sit down and do it now. I'm not going to put it off for a week or two weeks and, because you know when you as well you know you're running your own business no one's telling you what to do you haven't got anyone breathing down your neck saying oh no you've got to be here and do that and you know you 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 haven't logged on today you know no one's doing that it's all it's all on you yeah um but that actually makes it more for me that makes it more important that i do these things uh i'm I'm my yeah i'm my own i'm my own uh boss i'm I'm the dragon breathing down my own neck, I think. Yeah, I love that. Um, hey, where can people find out about you? Where you know, what's your website? Where can people um, reach out to? You? Okay, so I've, I've got a website. It's um, uh, cyclestrengthpt.com. 
Um, I have a, a Facebook group, um, which is Strength and Fitness Training for Cyclists. If you, if you put that in your Facebook search, you'll find it. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, that's uh, Instagram. I'm on Instagram as well. Um, just Cycle Strength, if you, as one word. Um, cycle strength is my handle across everything actually on facebook and everything um so yeah you can find it that way amazing guys um, i've seen some of the phenomenal results that andrew's getting for his clients if you are interested in you know cycling getting involved in cycling or maybe you're a cyclist right now and you want to perform better he is the man to go to he is achieving some pretty awesome and epic results with his clients um andrew one of the um last things i like to ask everyone who joins this uh this show is for you personally, what does entrepreneurship mean to you? Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a scary word, isn't it? It's one of like something out of Dragon's Den. You're thinking, oh, entrepreneurship. It, it isn't uh, anything to be scared of. It is just going out and getting a, get, making a business for yourself. It's bettering yourself. It's doing something for yourself um that's what it's come to mean for me and every little small step like i didn't i didn't expect to um like on day one of joining shift to success to suddenly have a business you know it took it took me like i said it took me like three months just to get the idea in the first place and then i had to do the training to be able to make the idea come true mm. um so it's 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 yeah it's 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 working hard for, for your own business um, without anyone else telling you what to do. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Andrew, I just want to say as well, on behalf of myself and the team, um, we're so proud of you. You've achieved some amazing things going from no business idea to now building this global business with clients all across the world, going through what you've been through with your own health battles and, and having a stroke. Uh, I hope to God that it doesn't happen again. Um, and also being honest and transparent about, you know, um, your situation in the job in terms of you know not seeing family and the words of wisdom you have to provide to our listeners um i have no doubt that your business is going to go to amazing heights and this is just the start of your journey and um i'm really excited to watch that happen um so thank you for your inspiration thank you for sharing um your insight in uh into the job and also insight into the business world and um yeah thanks for having, thanks i appreciate your time thank you very much thanks for having me and i wouldn't have been able to do any of it without shift to success i i'm so thankful for all of the support that i had um from those early days getting me out of the fog of just felt useless um to actually realizing something now it's you know i i, I wouldn't have known where to start and just putting one foot in front of the other is uh is, is the, the biggest help that i could have had so thank you very much i hope i appreciate the words thanks mate so guys, hopefully you got value from Andrew's story. Um, and again, I just want to reiterate the point. Above all else, please do look after your health. Uh, whether you're working the job or not is a top priority. And um, if you don't have that, you basically have nothing. So hopefully you took his words of wisdom um, to heart. And guys, if you do want to check out Andrew and maybe you're even interested in cycling and you want to improve your cycling, please do check him out at cyclingstrengthpt.com. And in the meantime, guys, I'll be seeing you on the next episode.